Oh, where am I? You washed up. Sorry? <laughs> Welcome to the island of discarded women, my friend. I used to be somebody. Are you that woman on the radio? Your island job is peladora de papas. Uh, sorry, what? Potato peeler. 87% match for uh, your skills. Okay, that's not... Anyway, what is the second best match then? Host of the island podcast. Are you kidding me? No, no, see, that's me. That That's perfect for By me. By the way, it's not me, it's you. Girls, welcome, welcome, welcome to the first rehearsal of the end of the world. Very exciting to have you all here. Uh, a few formalities first. Miri has agreed to be my assistant. Hello, my name is Miri. For English, say one. Para español, diga uh, uh, one, don. Miri. By the way, Mary, I don't speak any other language, so it will always be one for me, although I'm not proud of that. I have been trying to teach myself French for the past five years. Pour le français, disons trois. Wow, Mary, you sound like a native. See, I want to speak French so I can apologize to every French person on behalf of America for the fact that our president pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accord. Mary, how do you say, excuse me, our president is endangering future generations because he wants to eliminate President Obama's legacy because President Obama is black? Excusez-moi, notre président est un petit abruti qui met en danger les générations futures parce qu'il veut éliminer l'héritage du président Obama parce que le président Obama est noir. I want to learn to say that in every language in the world. Okay. Miscusi, il nostro presidente uh, era un coglione. Stop, Mary, stop. Isn't she fabulous? <laughs> anyway, Mary will be playing the role of the lava lamp, which should come easy. Because she is one? Of course. Oh, okay. All right, so why this play? Yeah. Why the end of the world? Yeah. Well, the planet is overheating, yeah. and we have to sound the alarm. And that is what my play will do if I can get anyone to read it. So in order to make it appealing to the American public, it has to be funny and have sex in it. I found sex. That's okay, Mary, we'll have sex later. Um, all right, so I'd like to start the rehearsal today with a pivotal scene in the play. So if you could all turn to page 375 in Act 5, Scene 22. You all know your roles, right? Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. doing Ava Novotny. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dr. Alicia Day. Yep. Uh, voice of the Republican puppet. Good. Um, I will be reading the stage directions. Okay. Okay, top of page 375, please. Mm -hmm. okay. <clears throat> Evening. An overly ostentatious hotel near a huge golf course in West Palm Beach, Florida. Mm -hmm. Internationally acclaimed, incredibly sexy reporter, Ava Navarro. Hang on, whoa, 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 Nancy, incredibly sexy? Mo, this issue of climate change is too urgent not to use every trick in the book. Yeah, but I don't Look see at the why. devastation in the Bahamas. It's for the future of all living things, Mo. Fine. Incredibly sexy reporter, Ava Novotny, mm -hmm. walks into the room furnished with an elegant upholstered chair and an ornate accent table. The only light in the room emanates from a pulsating rose-colored lava lamp. Ava looks around for her prey. Listen here. Record heat and wildfires are displacing large populations of people all over the planet. They are migrating away from their homes in search of food and water. Thousands are left homeless from hurricanes. So what do you have to say about that, Mr. Republican Puppet? From a darkened corner of the room, we hear but do not see. Climate change is a hoax! Ha ha ha! Ha ha! You are here! I knew it. I could smell your narrow-mindedness, your bullheadedness, your cruelty to life other than that of your own family seems to have no limits. Show your face, man. Climate change is a hoax! <laughs> Still working from that same dilapidated playbook, huh? You're a joke. I found joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. 
the young, beautiful, smart, and willful scientist, Dr. Uh, Alicia Day, bursts into the room. But Nancy, willful? Come on, really? Like, We're trying to save humanity, Day. Okay, fine. It's your play. Yes, it is. The young, beautiful, smart, and willful scientist, Dr. Alicia Day, bursts into... So, Mr. Puppet, if that's your real name, I just discovered that you have rescinded the Endangered Species Programs and eliminate caps on automobiles emissions, and open the pristine Tongass National Forest in Alaska for logging. Are you insane, sir? Climate change is a hoax. It's no use, Dr. Alicia Day. He's stuck rewinding the same old tape. Why do you keep suppressing the truth? Huh? Tell me, and tell me to my face. Climate change is a hoax. I don't mean to be ageist, but you sound elderly, Mr. Puppet. Are you elderly? Maybe he or she's using a clever voice disguise. Well, I'm not a disguise, Mr. Puppet. I am real, and I am young, merely 20. But I don't get to be elderly at this rate. We have 10 years to turn this thing around, and I want to live. I want to live! Climate change is a hoax! You bastard! You made Dr. Alicia Day cry! If I knew where your voice was coming from, I'd rip your little Republican puppet head off. But I see you're too cowardly. Is that right? Are you too cowardly to show us your face? Hmm? Slowly... A very tired, overly stuffed white athletic sock with pasted-on googly eyes, one of which is missing, emerges from the shadows and gingerly makes its way into the room, his remaining googly eye lit by the dim glow of the undulating lava lamp. Climate change is a hoax! Startled, Ava Novotny pointing towards the direction of the puppet with her delicate, yet sturdy right hand, adorned in the latest Flip-em-the-bird fingerless gloves. I found Flip-em-the-bird. When you can't find the words, let your gloves say it for you. Shop their gloves, hats, and t-shirts at flipemthebird.com. Flip-em-the-bird. com. I knew you were here all along, you... Climate change is a hoax! Ava reaches down, her mountainous cleavage glistening with perspiration. <laughs> she grabs the puppet and begins to squeeze. Okay, stop, 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 Nancy, stop. Oh, Sue, did that stop. hurt no, no, you? Just, just stop, 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 please. I can't do this. She won't squeeze you very hard, I promise. I, I did not about the squeezing. It's not about the squeezing. I just, I just, I know the puppet is supposed to be monosyllabic and stupid, but I can't, I can't, I can't play stupid right now. But you're doing such a great job. <laughs> it's all too real. You know, the Amazon is burning as we speak. The very lungs of this planet. It's too scary. I'm sorry, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do that. But I can't we do need the you. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too pissed right now, okay? Oh. Aren't you guys pissed? Aren't you pissed? Yeah. Aren't you pissed? Everybody pissed? Yeah. Mary, find yeah. pissed for me. I found pissed. Have no, 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 Snuckered. I'm sorry, the, the angry, the angry piss, the angry, angry Okay, <laughs> ticked off, bent out of shape, mad as hell. Oh, okay. Yes, thank you, thank you, I am mad as hell. Mm -hmm. How about the science denials and the climate treaties trashed? The tainted water lines being ignored in poor big city neighborhoods? Kids who were separated from their parents have now suffered permanent psychological damage? But who cares, right? They're not our kids. Come on, give us your poor, your huddled masses, really? Remember that? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the statue, they say, was only meant to welcome white people from Northern Europe who were all very successful in their careers and just came to this country for, I don't know, the shopping? Oh my God. <laughs> Did you know that when the Statue of Liberty was unveiled in 1886, the women of the suffragette movement protested? How could one celebrate a female statue in the harbor Promising liberty and freedom to all who entered when women in this country didn't even have the freedom to vote. They were pissed and they showed up. Rosa Parks, she didn't sit on the front of the bus because she was tired. She sat there because she couldn't stand it anymore. Gloria Steinem, she didn't start Ms. because she loved magazines. She and Dorothy Pittman Hughes started it because they were fed up that women didn't have a voice. Shannon Watts, we know Shannon Watts, right? 
She didn't start Moms Demand Action because she wanted to make signs. The day after the Sandy Hook massacre, she started a simple Facebook group demanding gun control legislation. And now there are very active moms chapters all over the country. And slowly, slowly, some laws are actually changing. When women show up, shit happens. Oh. <laughs> Mo, you're showing up. What are you doing? Tell yeah. me about it, tell me. Well, you know what, I'm horrified by what's happening to immigrants yes. at the border and, and all over our country. Okay, so what are you doing about it? Well, I signed up to volunteer with a, an organization called Minnesota Freedom Fund, yeah. uh, which raises funds both for cash bail and for immigration bonds. So when I can, I go down to the ICE office at Fort Snelling and I post immigration bonds. Mm. So at least a couple of asylum seekers can be released to their families while yeah. they wait for their cases to play out in the courts. Okay, so that is anger doing something really yeah. good, right? Yeah, right, right, totally. Right? I mean, I, you know, I think, I feel like if there's a bright side to what's happening right now, to all this rising frustration and outrage, it's that more and more of us are realizing that democracy is not a spectator sport, right? <laughs> right? Know, we can't just know, show up to vote once every four or mm. two years and then spend the rest of our time sitting behind our screens feeling pissed. Mm. We need to get out there and build the world we want to live in. Yes, okay, that's right, that's good. But let me ask you this. Do you feel like you grew up learning or even hearing about the women activists who came before us, huh? I mean, I can't say I did. We I mean, heard a little about Rosa Parks, but that was about it, right? Uh, right, yeah, right, right, right. I did huh? quite a bit of self-educating as a budding young feminist in high school, but yeah, that was firmly outside of the uh, sanctioned Catholic school curriculum. <laughs> so if we can only be what we can see, why don't we expose our girls to the stories of the women whose shoulders we're standing on? Yeah, hey, huh? I'm with you, preaching to the choir, yeah. Sue, but you know, I'm just... I'm not sure that the people who are barely ready to teach evolution are going to be leading the charge on introducing women's studies at the elementary school level. Yeah, okay, true, okay, true. But wouldn't it be great if girls who are growing up playing competitive sports in school and cheering on the champion U.S. women's soccer team, wouldn't it be great if they knew that none of that would have been possible without the enactment of Title IX in 1972, right? And that law also meant that girls could wear pants to school. Thank you. We weren't allowed to wear pants to school. That's wild, I know. <laughs> Women made that happen. Bernice Sandler, Edith Green, Patsy Mink, Google them. They showed up and life changed, but we don't know about them. And that makes me mad. So what are you going to do mad. about it, Sue? What am I going to do about mm -hmm. it? I'm going to take this microphone, and I'm going to go in the audience, and I'm going to see if there's any women out here who would like to share stories of what they are good and mad about, and then I'm going to listen to everything they have to say. Does anybody, anybody, anybody? What are you mad about? Something you're mad about something? You're mad that I'm standing here in front of you with a microphone. <laughs> I can tell that right now. I was trying to warn you that I was going to come over here. Anybody? Anybody have anything you're that you're mad about that you want to try to change? Tell me your name. Glenna. Glenna, tell me. I'm sick to death of the corruption that is pervasive through our society that continues to serve established elites to the disadvantage of ordinary people and a, to the active harm of women and minorities. Yes, amen, amen. Great, great, great. Tell me your name. Suzanne. Suzanne, yes. I'm, a, I'm a mad about um, the curtailing of women's right to choose. Yes. 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 That's, yes. yes, absolutely. And, and what are we going to do about that? We're going to vote. Anybody else? Yes, 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 right here. I'm Kelly, and I am tired of the inequality in regards to justice. Yes. Yes, inequality in regards to justice. That's it. Enough said. That's it. Yeah. That's what you got. Yeah. As a public defender, there's just... Not enough money for the public defense, but yet the prosecutors make more money, and they, it's just very unequal. Right. We're trying to find ways to take this anger and do something positive with it. I'm going to come over here. My name is Linda, and I'm enraged. <laughs> and I think you're also auditioning. <laughs> but I think, but, but I know it's good. I'm going, I'm wor it's working. Okay, here's what I'm mad about. I'm a 21-year Air Force veteran, I served during two wars, and I won't tell you how many times I was sexually assaulted while on active duty by a much higher-ranking male, but nothing has changed in the system. Senior male officers consider rape to be an entitlement, not a crime. 
your cast. Hey, Pat, how are you? I'm good, 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 good. Thank you, thank you, everybody. Okay, see, that's it, that's it. We're starting a movement. We're starting a movement here on the island. Wait, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean, starting a movement yeah, here we're going to start island. a movement on the island. It's going to be called WW Shush. What? When women show up, shit happens. Oh. And the first thing we're going to do is we are going to do a protest march. Wow, here? Yeah, right here on the island. We're going to do a protest march. And where? they're all going to come. Where? Glenna, Suzanne. So, huh? Where? In the streets. We don't have any streets here. Well, okay, in the paths. Um, but See, she's going to come. Where are the paths? Like, we don't even have names for the paths. You, you okay, know. we're going to name the paths. We're going to name the paths. The first okay. path is going to be called Glenna. And yeah. the second path is going to be Suzanne. Yeah. That's going to be his path. We got and, Kelly. And we got Kelly. And we got, and we got our Air Force person over there. They're going to all have names. <laughs> They're going to all have names. And, and, okay, Nancy, give me a name. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren's going to have a name. Yeah. In the, uh, that's yeah. going to say uh, Sylvia, give me a name. Emma Lazarus. Okay, uh, Day. Day, give me a name. Oh, uh, Michelle Obama. Good, yes. good. Yes. Yeah, Mo. Oh, uh, Joni Mitchell? Yeah. yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Miri, Miri. Miri, you got a name? Hello, my name is Miri. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. We're going to name a path after Miri. It's going to be called Miri Cole Mile. Yes, 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 yes. A boundless rage knows no end, and it's been proven time again. Paying homage to the ones before me I am stronger for their stories Rosa Park, the city bus The day she took a seat up front There's still more to be done And it all starts with one Unveiling Lady Liberty Uncovering the irony Women protest from the boats Saying we won't go if we can't vote And like the rippling of the way The tide will turn and shit will change There's still more to be done And it all starts with one We're headed in a scary direction No Roe v. Wade rigged elections Going backwards is this real life We've come too far to sit by Hell, we're mad and that's a good thing Cause we know that change is coming My boundless rage knows no end And I'll show up time and time again Paying homage to the ones before me I'm stronger No como el gigante desnudo de fama griega. With conquering limbs astride from land to land. Sus brazos extendidos conquistando cada tierra. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand. Aquí, en nuestras puertas bañadas de mar y atardeceres. A mighty woman with a torch. Una mujer poderosa se levanta con su antorcha. Whose flame is the imprisoned lightning. Cuya llama es el rayo encendido. And her name. Su nombre. Madre de los exiliados. From her beacon hand, con el faro de su mano, welcome. brinda una bienvenida mundial. Her mild eyes command Sus ojos suaves ordenan el puerto that twin cities con frame. puentes de aire Keep enmarcado las ciudades gemelas. Guarda tierras antiguas tu pompa famosa. Lips. Ella llora, sus labios silenciosos. Give me your tired, Dame tu cansado, your poor. tu pobre. Your huddled masses, tus masas acurrucadas anhelando respirar libremente la basura miserable de tu orilla llena envíame 
Kotoku, Puerta Dorada. The Golden Door. Hello, welcome. Thank you. It is now time for our open mic. Let's give applause for Nancy. Take it away, Nancy. Thank you. I just turned 70 years old. I'm the oldest woman on the island, but that doesn't bother me. Of course, I started thinking of myself as 70 about eight months ago. So when I actually turned 70 on August 7th, I was already used to it. It's been a lifelong habit with me. I no sooner hit a birthday than I start thinking about the next birthday, and within months I start adding a half year, and then I start rounding up to the whole next year. Sometimes I actually forget how old I am. I guess it's because I come from optimistic people. Like my Aunt Virginia, who's 95 and a half, and just bought a brand new car. Really. I remember one evening when I was a teenager, uh, uh, it was during the summer, and we had all just sat down for dinner. My parents, my sister, my two brothers and me, and my youngest brother, Chris, who was six years old at the time, suddenly put his head down on the table and started to sob. We were all so surprised since Chris was such a happy kid. So Dad asked him what was wrong, and Chris lifted his head and wailed, I want to be seven. I want to be seven. And so my dad said, Okay, you're seven. Of course, we'll have the party in October like we always do, but you can be seven now. I think maybe it was then I got the idea that age is malleable, but I've always taken notice of time passing. Speaking of my brother Chris, I was 10 when he was born, so I was old enough to pay attention to my mother's pregnancy. I kept charts. I documented that it took nine months for my little brother to arrive. So. I was confused when my older cousin, Barbara Ann, got married later that year, and, and four months after the wedding, she had her baby. <clears throat> so I asked my mother why it took nine months for her to give birth to Chris, but Barbara Ann had her baby in four months. And my mother said, oh, the first baby can come at any time. <clears throat> after that, they all take nine months. I remember saying to her, oh gosh, I hope my first baby comes two weeks after my wedding. I love babies. My first baby actually came two weeks after I turned 30, a little girl. My husband and I named her Amy. And four years later, a son arrived. My husband and I named him Sam. Someone recently said that we carry every age we've ever been within us. And it's interesting to me that many people I know will will sort of lock on an image of themselves at a certain age, and that image never changes then. My girlfriend Tess, who's my age, says she always sees herself in her mind's eye as 35. She says she sees me as 35 too, which is interesting because I can't conjure an image of myself at any age, let alone 35. My 30s are a blur, a happy blur, but a blur. I'm sure I looked in the mirror every day, but all I ever remember seeing during that decade were the faces of my kids. I loved being a mother, still do. But then I turned 40 and I panicked. Suddenly it felt like time was really hustling now and I was falling behind, behind my own ambitions, behind my dreams. I felt old, I felt anxious, I felt tired. I compared myself to everyone I met and usually came up short. And it's the only time in my life that I was ever tempted to lie about my age. One evening, Sam's elementary school had a family night, and my husband and I attended with our kids. The children of his second grade class had all created these lovely crayon portraits of their families, and the walls of his classroom were covered with the faces of mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and dogs and cats and grandparents. Very prominently displayed was Sam's contribution, our family. And in the center of that group was a picture of a woman with big blue eyes and yellow hair, and written across the bottom in my son's unmistakable handwriting, it said, Mom, 41. <laughs> my age was the trending topic among the seven-year-olds in Dayton's Bluff community of St. Paul for the next three weeks. 
Like Sam's classmate, Kyle, who greeted me at Pee Wee football practice. Guess what, Mrs. Reasoner? I told my mom that you're 41, and she said, no way. <laughs> at the grocery store, one of Sam's classmates came up to me, pulling a woman in traditional Hmong dress behind her. Mrs. Reasoner, she said, this is my grandmother. She's 41. <laughs> Maybe you can be friends. <laughs> I saw the trajectory of my life, daughter, wife, mother, grandmother, and all my ambitions to be somebody evaporated. By the time Sam walked through the door that afternoon, I was in the midst of a full-blown pity party. I snapped at him. Why did you tell everyone that I'm 41? Sam looked at me, incredulous that I'd even ask. Because it's neat. I'll tell you what snapped me out of my funk. My best friend died when I was 48. She was 48 too. After that, I determined to never lie about my age again. There's no shame in getting old. We should celebrate every day. So my 50s were great. That was my sexiest decade. I'm not kidding you. I fell in love with my husband. Yes, we've been married for 30 years, but, <laughs> but well, we sort of discovered each other in our 50s. We had time to actually look at each other and to appreciate what we had become. And we just sort of fell into each other's arms again and again and again and again and again. My mother died when I was in my late 50s. That was unbearable. And then in my early 60s, my father died too. I adored my parents and I thought my heart would break. But my father gave me very important advice that prepared me for the rest of my life. A couple of months before he died, he said, don't grieve for me, Nancy. This life owes me nothing. I've had a ball. So I knew what I needed to do. I always wanted to spend time in Paris. So in my 60s, I began to learn French. And my husband and I rented an apartment in Paris. And armed with nothing but a couple of suitcases and my first year French, we flew to France. It was love at first sight. The first day, we saw a woman sitting on a bench. She had taken her shoe off, and she was rubbing her foot. I approached her and said, vous avez mal? Okay, that translates into, are you bad? <laughs> but she didn't laugh. She just answered me. She said, je suis vieille. I'm just old, she said. I clapped my hands together. Donc je suis. We have something in common. She laughed and stood up, slipping her arm through mine, the way they do in Paris. Les nous marchent. So we walked along the Seine, she, my husband, and me. Her name was Eugène. She'd been a school teacher, retired now. She spoke English beautifully, of course. We talked about our sisters, hers in Spain, mine in California, both avid gardeners. And then we talked about politics. She comforted me over my despair at the current state of affairs in America. Uh, you're a young country, she said. You'll make mistakes from time to time. People get lazy. Look to the older countries. Look at France. There have been tragic times in our history. And you Americans, you're, you're so resilient. You are a resilient people. Personne résilient. Our walk ended. We kissed each other on both cheeks. Bisous. Bisous. And said adieu. I walked away feeling peaceful and very grateful that I was in my 60s now because I never would have had this moment in my younger days. I would have walked right past Eugène rather than risk looking foolish by trying to speak French. But I'm older now, and no one looks at me anymore. I'm invisible, and that's why my life's a ball. <laughs> I hear a lot of women say they fear aging because they fear being invisible. But being invisible is the best part. I can't tell you how liberating it is. It's like discovering you're a superhero. You can do anything. Like Zumba. I took up Zumba. And I love it. And I'm pretty good at it. Not that anyone's judging me. No one's watching. Oh, and I notice I have a lot more stamina now that I don't hold my stomach in. <laughs> I talk to trees now. Yes, I do. I taught myself to paint. And I even like some of my paintings. Oh, and I don't offer advice to my kids these days. I just offer them love and approval, remembering as I do what it felt like to be their ages. Love and approval. I know that's what they want. 
Oh, one caveat, I'm never invisible to children. Isn't that interesting? They always see me and hear me. So I make every effort to say and do the right thing, to be a good example. Speaking of children, I'll leave you with this story. I tutor reading at an elementary school, and one of my second graders recently asked, Miss Nancy, are you 100? <laughs> and I said, no, Jordan, I'm not 100. Then he said, are you 26? <laughs> I said, Jordan, do you want to know how old I am? And he nodded. So I told him, I'm 70 years old. He sort of grimaced. And then he caught himself and said, that's not so old. And I said, well, if I was a dog, I'd be very, very, very old. And if I was a tree, I'd be very, very, very young. But since I'm me, I think 70 is just right. Anyway, I'll see how things work out. Bizu, bizu. Adieu. You're listening to the roar of the female women. And now, please welcome my guest for the conversation, Kevin Berger. Kevin, come on up. You brought your purse with you? No, I brought you a present. Oh, my oh, mother told me oh. that when you're invited by someone someplace, you should always bring them a gift. Oh, you're giving me a yeah. gift. Well, okay. Oh, it's heavy. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yeah. Do I have to open it now? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's that time of year. Oh. Yes, yeah. So this is either a food product or a crown. It, was it? it is called the it's love, yes. turban squash. It's the turban As squash. So for I people love it. who are listening, yes. it's, a, it's round and green, and it's mm-hmm. about the size of uh, one of those like little orange baby cute little pumpkins, yes, you see? Yes, right. And it's got a little bulbous, little bulge, little cap, little turban on the top. Right. Well, thank you, thank yeah. you. So, all right, Kevin. Yes. Kevin, you, resume time. <laughs> no, actually, accolade time. Uh, you were an award-winning TV news reporter. I was, yes. Mm-hmm. Radio talk show personality. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Newspaper journalist yeah. and feature story writer. Yep. Now a public radio documentarian. Right. Is there no medium, madam, that you have not conquered? Seriously. Well, I really only know how to do one thing, but I just do it in different places. I, you know, print, television, radio, digital. It's uh, It's all about squash. It's all about. (laughs) Is that what it is? That's what you're telling me? Storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what was your very, very first job? Uh, so in, the, in this, in this oh, general field? Uh, the first job in the field was I worked at a little radio station in my small town in Appalachia. Okay. And uh, I uh, did the news, and I covered the city council and the village council in oh, the county where I lived. Okay. And then I did a rock and roll radio show in the afternoon. <laughs> and we would do... If there was something big happening, like at City Hall, like this, the village got a block grant, so I would put on um, down by the river the whole side of the of the, and yes. put that on, and then run back and do my interview while a long song played. Oh, but, seriously? Yeah, yeah. So the station was the FM was rock and roll, and the AM was gospel. Sign on to noon, country noon to sign off. Wow. So I was nineteen. Right. We have to start sometime. Right, right. Okay. So you were recently, so we we jumped from 19. Yeah. You were recently awarded or welcomed into the Journalists in Aging Fellows Program. Yeah. By the Gerontological Society of America. Yeah. And this award was not because you are aging, even though we all are aging, right? But this is because of your extensive writing about aging, or as you said to me, the longevity economy. Yes, yes, people call, that's what it's called, actually. Tell me about what started you in writing about aging. Well, um, I'm a freelancer, and so the hustle never ends, and you will do the work that people will pay you to do. And I found out that there is a lot of interest from people, they call it 50 plus. There's a lot of interest in topics Uh, of interest to that age group Mm -hmm. and being in that age group I was able to come up with a lot of ideas and so I was starting to write these stories and 
then people ask me to write more of them, and it sort of has become my beat now. Yeah, and I, I've really, beat. I've really learned a lot, and it's helped me to enjoy and really savor and be very satisfied by the age that I am. Um, I'm 62, and on September 29th, I'll be 63. Oh, great! And so someday soon, I'll be able soon. to be 70, like Nancy, my idol. Yes. Yeah. So okay. You just did a story in the Star Tribune about Marjorie Johnson. Right. The blue ribbon baker who, at 100 years old, is still baking and still winning blue ribbons. And she very, she's very competitive. She is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. is serious. She is in it to win it. She is not there to place or show. No, ma'am. So it's fascinating to me is that, that you're, you're, you're reaching out to these people... And you're telling their stories, and you, you have such humor and such wit and such heart. And we really feel like we get to know those people. So how often do you tell your own stories? Oh, only when people ask. <laughs> <laughs> you told me you told me earlier that you, you could talk to anybody and find something interesting about That's them. That's true. Yeah. I believe that. I think everybody's got a story. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that there are any number of people here, if I'd sit with them for very long, I would find something that would be fascinating about them. I mean, and I think the older we get, the more fascinating we become. Oh, I think so. Don't we think so? Don't we all? I mean, individually. But... Or, or we just we just amass these stories, I mean, just over the years. Or experiences and, like, yes, and lessons. Exactly. Right, exactly. And we... Ideally, we learn from our mistakes. Right. Some of us just keep repeating them and maybe hope to learn from them. So. But when I asked you first uh, the other day about um, telling your own stories, you initially said, why would anybody care? And I thought, a little hypocritical there, Kevin. <laughs> I could talk to anybody. They all have interesting stories, but I don't have anything interesting. Do you, right. do you believe that? Do you truly believe well, that? That you don't have anything interesting to talk no, about? No, no, no. I think I'm fascinating, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's finally come out. The truth has come out. Right here on Island of Discarded Women podcast. Okay, okay. so um, you are a breast cancer survivor. Yep, uh, 12 years. 12 I'm, years. Uh, I've Congratulations. Had a, right. Yes, uh, it was a very scary thing to uh, go through, and yeah. uh, it, it changes you. Uh, you realize uh, the a line I came up with at the time was a lot of things that I thought I owned, I was really just renting. Oh, interesting, yeah. And you so talking about telling your own stories, mm -hmm. you were on um, uh, FM 107 at the time. Yeah. You were a radio personality at the time. And you, you were sharing some of your, uh, your cancer battle. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember being on your show, mm -hmm. and you had lost your hair. And you were very, you were very uh, open about it. Well, it was, it was uh, I've been told that many women, when they find out they're going to have chemo, that they ask, am I going to lose my hair? before they say, am I going to live? Oh, and if, oh, yeah. you know, we have a funny relationship with our hair. If you could tell me any time of my life, your senior in high school, your sophomore in college, the first time you got married, the second time you got married, what was your hair like? The first time you got divorced, the second oh, time you got divorced. You know, you could, you could know all of that. It's, and, and yet, there was something about, I was so anxious about it, but when it was gone, it just, it, it, it was like, it was almost... Um, once it was gone, I didn't, I didn't mind. I didn't care. It was, it, but people are very disturbed by it because when you don't have hair, people know you're sick. Yeah. And at the, shortly after that was when Britney Spears like be, shaved her head, and it was a sign of being disturbed. And when Sinead O'Connor shaved her head, it was a, it, it, you lose it because you're sick, or it's it's to it's 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 sort of a mutilation. Do you still people, think that? Because well, people, do, I mean, people, women do that now, even much more like so. Much or more make so. A statement and and or... that and I, I think just even in those twelve years, I feel like people uh, are much more comfortable um, seeing a version of themselves and being able to execute it. But at that time. Uh, I lost my breasts, I lost my hair, and I kind of had to redefine uh, what it was to be a woman for me. Because those are the, the way I think that I hadn't thought about it very much, but those are the obvious indicators. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. The motto on your radio show, uh, living out loud. Yeah, living life out loud. Living life so out loud. That was at the time, yeah, that was the, the tagline for the radio station. Yeah. And so I had to live it 
if that was what if that's what we were asking other people to do. Like when people came on my show, like yeah, you. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to ask you to be authentic, then I, I need to learn how to do or make sure that I'm doing that too. But wasn't that very successful? I mean, I mean, successful. In fact, people it resonated with people. Uh, they wanted to hear more about it. They wanted to identify. I mean, did, I, yeah, wasn't I, that? Yeah, I had a my little my little fan group there. It was fun. So, in 2009, you were released from FM 107. Yes. Uh, once I, it was a hard job to get the hang of, but once I got the hang of it, it was the easiest job that paid the most I ever had, so you knew it wasn't going to last. <laughs> <laughs> but you were released. It was not your choice. It was the damnedest thing. You know, yeah. one of those trap doors. You're just uh, at the end of my show. I'm walking out, and the boss says, hey, Kevin, can you come in my office for a minute? I'm like, you know, the condemned man ate a hearty meal. You know, yeah, yeah, I walked in. And I saw a file with my name on his desk. And I said, should I shut the door? And he said, yes. And I said, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah can we, we can say you that. Can. It's, it's a it's podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the day. I saw an article in the Pioneer Press. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and you were quoted. I was. Yes. Now so, you're going to quote me to me. Yes, I'm going to quote you to you. So the quote that they used to you was, we're going a different direction on the radio station. We're going a different direction. And uh, what you said was, quote, for six and a half years, I've talked to my listeners. It's nice that the station offered me the opportunity, but I'm not ready to say anything about this right now. Maybe this is something I don't need to live out loud. So obviously, this wasn't, a, this wasn't a happy thing. Right. And it was basically, it was kind of an arbitrary decision, was it not? I don't know. Uh, the station, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm sure that almost everybody here has been subject to that going in a different direction. Uh, but in this case, yeah. they put the radio station on the air and they just said, this is a woman's radio station and there'd never been such a thing and they didn't quite know what it was and so they hired a bunch of us and they said just do the show you want to do. But at, at, that, at some point they decided what they wanted that radio station to be was entertainment and Hollywood gossip and that sort of a thing and that wasn't really my background or my strength and uh, they said that the audience wouldn't buy me doing that because I was too smart. So, <laughs> I think we have to all go home now. So it's funny. It's it, so funny. It was, and that is that's so funny. At you the time, so I was like, someday this is going to be funny, and it's funny. <laughs> okay, it's so way not funny. Uh, okay, how did that feel? Well, um, I had two kids in college and another child at home. I was uh, recently divorced and just getting over my cancer battle. And I did not have a year for magical thinking about, gee, did this really happen? And what am I going to do about it? And it wasn't right and it wasn't fair. I had a living to make. And I really am a, you know, a dancing bear with the one trick there. And so I had to dance from one stage from the radio to uh, to figure out what I was going to do next, kind of reinvent myself. And I would say that just making a living and trying to figure out where I could use my gifts and how I could... And it was, it was also 2009, which was not really the best time to try and find a job. Yes, true, 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 yeah, true. But then I, I, I wound up uh, being uh, finding this work as a freelancer, which allows me to kind of set my own hours and... Uh, no alarm rings, and I have two older parents who live in a different state who are 85, and I'm able to go down there, and when I call people up to interview them for a story, nobody knows where I am, and nobody really cares, and so it, it's worked out, it, it's worked out, uh, other than the money, you know? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, There's, but, yes, exactly. But, it, you know, it's been a, a great transition, and I didn't see it, you know, that's a thing that's scary when this stuff happens to you. I have that sense that I'm resilient, I'm a survivor. It's just that, what about, you know, how, I know I'm gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. It's just how long am I gonna, how long's the swim off the island to the next island? Right, exactly. Or, or and, and, and I have always been okay, but is this, 
the time, you know, you have to have faith in yourself and faith in the things you have faith in and, and believe and go for it. But when, uh, just going back to your, to your situation and, uh, and using the term that, you know, sort of the term that was used, smart, how do you bounce back from that? You're too smart and you think, am I too smart to do anything? Well, that's a bad thing. I mean, and, and to me, it, it perpetuates this societal norm that we are, pa that, that is just embedded as far as, yeah, we've, got, we've got young women who, you know, oh, being smart's a bad thing in school. You know, they, you, don't get a, you don't get a boyfriend if you're too smart. And yet... You kind of can't win, yeah, because no, I mean, now you're not smart enough, yeah. No, and yet, you know, more women in law schools and in uh, med schools, more people are women. How does that feel when it's such a core thing like that? And oh, I was, I hell? think, 54, so that might not Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But shouldn't. Um, it shouldn't. One of the things that I... Uh, I'm, not I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to sort of take you down right, the rabbit right, hole. Right, right. I'm, I'm just curious. Well, I think the, the two qualities that I dislike the most in others, so you try not to have them in yourself, are self-pity and bitterness. Yeah. And so to feel sorry for myself that that happened or to be bitter about it, mm -hmm. those were, the, I didn't want to go there. Right. And if you can free yourself from those things, it kind of clarifies things. And I just thought, I'm so smart, somebody's going to want what I got. Uh, right. Well, and look what you're doing. You're doing all these things, and you're winning awards, and you're, do and you're, and you're still writing. And, you, and the stories that you write for the Star Tribune, it's like, you know, Oh, my husband, save that for me. That's a Kevin Berger story. That's going to be some cool thing about somebody that I didn't know anything about. And, and there again, with your charm and your wit. Tell me, okay, tell me about these radio stories that you're doing now. We well, have the um, AMPERS. Right. Which stands for, I got it here, I got it here. It stands for the Association of Minnesota Public Educational Radio Stations. And it's all the outstate. 18 AMPERS radio stations. And it's KFAI, KMOJ. There are four tribal communities that have radio stations that are associated with AMPERS. That oh. there are a number of stations that are community stations, and they are not commercial radio stations. They are public radio stations, but they're not Minnesota Public Radio. Right, and, and, their own a, lo and a lot of people within communities, they're very well known, and and it's the old radio serve that community that notion, and uh, uh, fascinating group of of independent stations who are in this network. Yeah. So one of the things that they have committed to is telling the stories of Minnesota veterans. So a few years ago, I was lucky enough, I, I did a 30-part series on World War II veterans. And then two years ago, uh, I did a Vietnam-era veterans. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the process of working uh, on a, a big uh, project. It will be on the air like next June because it's literally hours and hours and hours, but this is with Korean War veterans. The average age is 86. I know, isn't that and, wild? It's and, like really already? And yeah. I'm seeing right there people who can, one guy can still wear his uniform, uh, so sharp, remembers everything, and other people, just their recall, I sit with them to talk, and their recall is, is much more limited. And that's one of, the, uh, uh, one of the things that they say about aging is, you know, if you show me a, an 18-month-old, you know what the developmentally they can do, or an 18-year-old, what they can do. But someone who's not 18 months, one eight, eight, but 81, they could be water skiing, mm -hmm, right. baking for the state fair, or they could be bed-bound, yeah, you know? It's, right. it's all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the, the, the older we get, the more heterogeneous we get mm -hmm. the more the and, and that's that's what's interesting and exciting but I'm uh, I'm going down on Tuesday to Albert Lee to talk to a 95 year old woman a Korean veteran yes oh, now great. she was actually never in Korea but she was a recruiter I believe oh, oh, okay in that era yeah. and was in Germany in that era and so she has that perspective
But well, anyway. I just I listened to one that you did about the, the Vietnam voices. Yes. And there was the the nurse, the the female That's nurse right. who right. who was who did a year. Uh, she was 68, 69 when she was 31 years old, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. That that um, and she talks about her experience. But it, obviously, the ease that you give her and and the, the your wit and empathetic your, listening. Yes. Yeah. But the stories are fabulous. You got to go. You can go on. You can. Go online and ampers, right? right? I think you right, think, yeah. Right. So you're, you've got all these gifts, and you're using them so beautifully. And I mean, and, and the thing about, uh, you know, the radio documentaries is those people, we need to hear their stories, but I, they need to, but they need to tell their stories. Well, one of the things that's been interesting for me is over the course of my career, and again, another great advantage of being older is we ha we're on up, up on the mountaintop. We can see what we know, and we can see how things change. Sometimes fast, sometimes slow. Yeah. But I was a TV reporter, and we would work for weeks sometimes on some of these long-form stories I did, and you would sit down and watch it and you never see it again. Yeah. And now it's all on YouTube, and these audio reports I'm doing are online, mm -hmm. and the technology has changed. It's interesting and exciting, and um, you know, uh, there's a saying, uh, what you resist persists. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah right. you just kind of got to go with it. But helping to immortalize those stories of, with those people with your gifts is, is, is fascinating. You are wonderful. She, you. She's such a wonderful storyteller. Thank you so much, Kevin. My thank pleasure. you so much. Enjoy this really flash. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Well, that's our show. Thank you again, Kevin. Thank you so much. And I want to thank our cast, Day Yang and Nancy Backshaw Reisner, Sylvia Pontaza, Mo Berry. Our singer-songwriter, Zippy Lasky. And tonight's episode was written by the entire cast and Emma Lazarus. Thank you very much for that beautiful poem. And thank you to our lovely engineers and male allies, Barry Medore and Tony Axtell. And thank you to our volunteers, Suzanne Egley and Carolyn Ward-Denton. And also thank you to Lynn Gordon and the incredible staff here at French Meadow and the Nord Social Hall. And we will be back next month for another live Island of Discarded Women. Thank you so much. I'm Sue Scott. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Right down this rage knows no end, and I'll show up time.